Maybe just talk about the retail sales data, which was um, out yesterday. Um, can you go on to the next slide, please, Will? Um, so you can see from the chart on the left here that's been pretty strong. So yesterday reported 10.4% year-on-year growth in retail sales um, in May, which is a new monthly record of 34 billion dollars. Um, now, as you can see from the chart, the post-pandemic recovery has been remarkably strong. It's not quite as simple as that chart would show because obviously um, inflation plays a part here. Things are more expensive. So consumers are um, not just buying more, but they're obviously paying more for what they're buying. Um, but we can't dismiss this as simply a function of inflation. Um, CPI here is not running at 10%. We're not Spain, um, at least not yet. Um, so there is clearly um, no pullback in the consumer, and this is very much at odds with the share prices in the consumer discretionary sector. Um, it, that said, it is very consistent with what companies are saying to me. Um, they are still seeing the consumer going out, they're still spending, um, and they're prepared to pay what it takes um, to purchase the things that they want to buy. I think that's clearly supported by full employment um, and elevated household savings. And no one's expecting it to last forever. Um, but at the moment, the pullback that um, seems to be informing the share prices in the sector is not, uh, is not happening. And, and the Aussie consumer is perhaps more resilient than, than people thought. Um, if you look at the chart on the uh, right-hand side, you can see the categories. So this is the year-on-year -year growth in retail sales in May. Um, and right at the top of the, uh, top of the chart there in green is uh, takeout and uh, eating out. Um, and that's what I want to talk to today. So if you can move on to the next slide, please, Will. Um, clearly, there is a good resilience in the fast food category. Um, so takeaway food, and particularly the, the lower priced um, version of takeaway food, so fast food or QSR, quick service restaurants, um, has shown itself to be resilient in times of inflation. And we're not just saying that, we've done the analysis. Um, the analysis is shown in the chart here, uh, which shows that um, since the, the early 1980s, uh, when inflation has been greater than 5%, um, takeaway food has outperformed overall retail sales 65% of the time. Um, and restaurants have outperformed overall retail sales by 76% of the time. Um, so clearly people are not pulling back as much as they might think they're going to pull back on, on things like takeaway food. It indicates that people are clearly prepared to pay more in times of inflation for what they want. And Fast food is for uh, for some um, an everyday purchase, and, and for most people, it's a it's a frequent purchase and one that they're not prepared to pull back on, regardless of what it um, what it uh, costs. Um, but also, there is an indication that some people do trade down, um, so from higher price points. Um, so, you know, I know that I'm suggesting to Mrs. Mees that we go to uh, KFC rather than SK Steak and Oyster again, um, which is not getting the response I wanted. But uh, you know, this is what's happening across the economy. Um, now, if we go on to the next slide, um, you can see that all of this resilience is not necessarily reflected in share prices, at least not in Australia. Um, so you can see from the chart here that the two Aussie fast food companies, being Collins Foods, uh, which is effectively KFC, um, and Domino's Pizza, have um, reasonably significantly underperformed their US peers, um, uh, McDonald's, Yum Brands, which is the, the KFC head brand, um, and Wendy's. Um, and I think if you look at how they performed, at least until Collins' result this week, they've also underperformed the broader consumer discretionary sector. So people are not giving them credit for the resilience that they've uh, historically shown. Um, now, that result uh, from Collins did provide some reassurance around these points. And if we move on to the next slide, I'll explain why. Um, so Collins, um, if you don't know Collins, they are the largest operator of KFC 
restaurants in, in Australia. Um, they have around about a third of the market here. They are also the largest operator of KFC in the Netherlands, um, and they have a small business in, in Germany. Um, if you like Mexican food, they uh, also run Taco Bell along with RBD um, here in Australia, and that's uh, very much a pilot or a startup business for them too. Um, so they have 261 stores here for KFC, uh, which is a good number. There is still growth in that network, and, and we do expect them to add 15% to their network here in Australia over the next five years. But really, the story is in the Netherlands. So over there, they have 62 stores. It's a much less penetrated market for KFC than it is in Australia. Um, but they have 55% of the market. Now, importantly, they've just taken over from, um, actually not taken over, they have been awarded the corporate franchise partner um, status from Yum Brands, which is the first time that Yum has done this anywhere in the world. And what it effectively means is that Yum has said to Collins, you can run the Netherlands for us. So we're taking a step back and you can do the strategy, the marketing, uh, the menu pricing, um, and importantly, the rollout. And as part of that, Collins has committed to Yum that it will add 130 new restaurants, KFC branded restaurants in the Netherlands over the next 10 years. Um, now, some others will uh, participate in that, but effectively Collins will do the lion's share. Um, and so there's really strong growth here. Um, and we're forecasting 60% network expansion in the Netherlands over the next five years, which is obviously a huge, a huge proportion. Now, I mentioned that there was some reassurance in the result, um, which was earlier this week, and, and that was really around margins. Now, people have been very concerned about margins for good reason. Everything's going up, whether it's labor or food, chicken prices, wheat prices, canola oil, energy. Um, and this is one of the reasons that people have been negative on, on the sector. And yet, I think if you look at what their comments, you'll see that they're reasonably confident that they can limit the margin compression to between one and two basis point, um, 200 basis points. Um, in FY23. Um, and why is this the case? Well, clearly they're seeing some commodities are starting to come off their highs already, like wheat um, and canola oil. Um, but importantly, they have uh, got some protection on the um, price of chicken um, through their supply agreements with Ingham's and others. But even more importantly, KFC has really good pricing power. Um, and so they've already put through a couple of um, rounds of price increases in KFC in recent months. There will be more to come. And these price increases, as you can see from the charts earlier, do get a, a positive response from consumers. They will pay it. Um, so at the moment, um, having derated, Collins is trading on eight times one-year forward EV EBITDA, which is uh, significantly cheaper than, than its US peers. So McDonald's is on 16 times. Yum is on 17 times. Um, there's a 3% dividend yield, which to our price target gives us a 19% TSR. So we upgraded to an ad. I think it's definitely worth a look at this level. If we can go on to the next slide, um, even more upside to our numbers anyway is from Domino's. Um, so Domino's six months ago was trading on 60 times PE. Um, it was trading on 31 times EV EBITDA. It has substantially derated since then. Um, what happened is there was a hit to earnings back in October uh, in Japan, which was unexpected, and that really scared the horses and, and caused a lot of investors to, to rush for the exit door. Um, inflationary concerns have only exacerbated those um, those pressures on the share price. And so where we are now, the uh, business has effectively halved in share price um, over the past six months, trading now on an EV EBITDA of 15 times. Um, and the long-term average for Domino's is 21. So almost 30% cheaper than the long-term average. Um, it's not, however, as cheap as some other stocks. And so you might say, well, is there really a story here? Um, there are reasons that this business deserves a, a very handsome premium in its valuation. And, and I just touch on those before I hand back to Will. Um, firstly, it's the scale of the rollout. 
Um, so this company at the moment is in 10 countries around the world. It has um, 3,362 stores in those 10 countries. It's provided guidance that by 2033 expects to be in those 10 countries at 6,250 stores, um, which is almost a doubling of its current footprint organically. Um, and that's before any M&A at all. Um, if you look at the density of stores in, uh, in Australia, uh, which is the chart in the middle here, you can see that there's 30 uh, Domino's stores per million people here in Australia, which is much more dense than some of their other markets. Now, if we were to lift the density of their other markets up to the level of Australia, I'm not saying that's likely, but if we did, it's a blue sky opportunity of 10,000 stores. Um, now, that's just in the markets that they're in. And of course, in, in history, they've added new markets through M&A, whether it's in Europe or Asia, um, and they're certainly not going to stop now. They've got the balance sheet and the appetite to do it. The other reason for demanding a premium valuation is the return profile. Um, so because this is largely a franchise business, it is capital efficient, and return on invested capital is about 15% and rising. In fact, next year we're forecasting an 18% return on capital. That's more than double Collins. Um, it has a different model, um, but what this business does is it is a uh, cash machine uh, when it's working well. And working well is really the third reason for, for being interested in Domino's. Um, they have taken operational efficiency to new heights. Um, they've taken the uh, delivery time in Australia here to an average of 17 minutes. Um, they've moved to a position of clear leadership in Japan um, in really only a couple of years um, through uh, their high volume mentality and their fortressing mentality, which allows them to be closer to their customer and to have much lower delivery time. So they have an operational advantage um, to add to the financial advantages that I've touched on. Um, so with, again, a 3% dividend yield, the TSR on this is 41%. Um, it's a stock that's been massively out of favor. Um, I don't think it would take too much in the way of good news or reassurance like we saw from Collins this week um, to cause that to reverse. It's already bounced a little bit from its lows. Um, there's a long way to go up. Mm -hmm.